Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Today's connection is about our diet, and this is a very kind of sensitive and touchy subject. I think it's very confusing to know what you should eat and when you should eat it. There's so much conflicting information of should you go keto or do intermittent fasting or eat Whole30 or do a Mediterranean diet. So I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about some of the pros and cons of each of the diet, just the quick and dirty, and then some general guidelines because I really think at the end of the day, we need to not overcomplicate nutrition. And if we would just follow some basic principles 80% of the time, I think as a culture, we would be much healthier and there'd be a lot less stress around food. And I work with a lot of patients at Stat Wellness. And one of the big things that we see is a lot of people are trying to be really healthy. And sometimes they actually end up being too healthy where they're borderline, what we would call orthorexia or this obsession with eating healthy that really impacts your quality of life. And it puts fear phobias where you're scared to eat unhealthy, even for one meal. And that can be very stressful. And I do think that food needs to be looked at as medicine because the way we eat really impacts our overall health. It impacts our gut microbiome. It impacts our mental clarity. It impacts our job performance. And the way we respond to situations, we can become very irritable if our blood sugar is imbalanced. We can become very inflamed if we're eating a diet high in sugar and processed food. But I do, I think there's a time and a place for extreme diets. And so I want to kind of hit some of those pros and cons. And hopefully have you guys feel empowered about some simple things that you can do. So there is a quote by Ann Wigmore that I know is a very extreme quote, but I think it's very true when we think big picture, that the food you eat can either be the safest and most powerful form of medicine or the slowest form of poison. And I think of this through kind of a large camera lens. If we are eating foods that we can pronounce that are single ingredient things, broccoli, berries, avocado, chicken, eggs, you know, all of those simple foods that have so many different nutrients in it, it really helps our body work the way it is designed to work. If we are looking at our meals and they're heavily processed and they have a lot of additives and dyes and preservatives it is going to trigger an inflammatory response. So I do think that food is medicine. And when we eat the way that we were kind of designed to eat, which is kind of simple foods, as I like to describe it, it can really be one of the safest and most powerful forms of medicine. So let's kind of touch on some of these different diets. So I have a lot of patients come in and they're interested in intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, I can find some really good research that it can help with insulin resistance or weight loss. And so there is people that intermittent fasting can be really helpful. 
And I would like to say that we all intermittent fast because if you are sleeping, you are fasting. So if you sleep for seven hours, you are not eating during those seven hours. And that is a fasting state for seven hours. So we are all intermittent fasting. It just depends on what hours you fast for. So some people do a 12-hour fast and they eat for 12 hours. Some do a 16-hour fast and they eat for eight. Some do a 20-hour fast and they eat for four. Some do alternate day fasting. There are so many different ways of doing intermittent fasting, which we we could do a whole podcast episode on that by itself, but there is good research. I think the cons of intermittent fasting for some is depending on how long you're pushing that fast, you can put some stress on your body and that can negatively impact your adrenal glands and your thyroid function. So if something that you're doing feels really stressful, if you're feeling starved all the time, if it's impacting your sleep quality, chances are it's impacting your thyroid and adrenals and it may not be the best option. So pros, it definitely can help with insulin resistance. It can definitely help with weight loss in some people. If you have thyroid issues, if you're sensitive to stress, you may want to do it under the guidance of a healthcare professional because it can put stress on your body. So it's not great for everybody. And I do find in general, my male patients tend to do better with intermittent fasting than my female patients. But that is really when you get into these extreme fasting windows. So I do have several female patients that do 18 to 20 hour fast and they eat for four to six hours. And I do see in their labs, the stress on their body. I see their T3 free really, really low, which is a thyroid hormone because their cortisol is elevated because their blood sugar is low during the day and it's impacting the T4 to T3 conversion. But that is not true across the board. So I don't want to ever put a blanket statement that intermittent fasting is bad for females because we all intermittent fast to some degree, but it depends on our hormones. It depends on our stress thrust threshold. It depends on where we are in our cycle. It is so individualized. Next is a ketogenic diet. I think there's a lot of research that a keto diet is great for cancer epilepsy, which is also seizures. So there is some good research with a keto diet. I also clinically see a keto diet really um, pretty effective for women when they are menopausal. So a lot more of those healthy fats can help with their hormones when they're really depleted and help with mental clarity. It can help with um, insulin resistance. So there's, there is some benefits of a keto diet, but I do think it's really tough to stay in ketosis. For me, I did it for four weeks. It was the worst thing that I've ever done for my body. It was really hard for me to stay in ketosis. I couldn't even eat a big plate full of vegetables without getting out of ketosis. And when I knew I couldn't eat that many vegetables, I knew it wasn't the right diet for me. Um, keto in general is also very low in fiber because carbs are fiber. So if you're dropping your carbs all the way down, you are not getting a lot of fiber. And a low fiber diet really, really negatively impacts our gut microbiomes. And that is the good bacteria in our gut, which is really important to our immune system and our serotonin levels, our absorption of nutrients, all sorts of things. I also think that a keto diet doesn't necessarily mean that you're eating good quality food. I know a lot of people um, put emphasis on just eating fats. So they're eating a lot of bacon and full fat dairy products. And I think if you're doing a keto diet, it's important to at least make sure you're getting some of those healthier fats, the nuts and the seeds, the avocado, the olives, the olive oil, the coconut, and then mix in some of those good quality fats like ghee butter, grass-fed red meat. But again, 
Keto is not for everybody, but there is some research with cancer, epilepsy, seizures, and then personal experience seeing some uh, improvements with my patients that are menopausal. Uh, Again, you should really do any of these diets under the supervision of a healthcare practitioner. Vegan, vegetarian diet, I think that really can put a lot more emphasis on uh, good vegetables and plant-based food, which I think is a great thing. But there's a lot of people that are vegan or vegetarian, and they are kind of what we call carbivores. They're getting a lot of carbs and not enough protein. And that can cause issues. And also we do see some B12 deficiencies because vitamin B12 is mainly in animal products. So if you aren't eating a lot of animal products, it may be hard to get enough B12 unless you're using things like nutritional yeast on your food. Um, But the positive for a vegan or vegetarian diet is you're usually getting a lot of fiber, so better for your gut microbiome. So you can see just right there are some pros and cons of keto and vegan, and it can be very confusing and conflicting depending on who you are and what your goals are and what your um, kind of underlying health conditions are. Next, Whole30, I think the pros of this is it really helps people eliminate processed food and sugar. It lets them be aware of how many things they're consuming that may have added sugar. I have a lot of patients that try to eat very healthy, and then when they do something like Whole30 and they're reading food labels, they're shocked that the crackers they were eating had sugar added in. The salad dressing they were eating had processed sugar in it. So places that you may not think like a you know a baked good or a cookie or things like that, you know, have sugar, but there's so much added sugar to a lot of the healthy things we eat that we grab at Whole Foods that still have added sugar in in it. So I think Whole30 is helpful for helping you become aware of how much processed food or sugar you may be consuming. But the cons, it's super restrictive. It eliminates healthy foods like beans and legumes. Um, And it's really designed to do short-term. So it's not a long-term diet or healthy kind of way of eating because it's very restrictive. Mediterranean diet. This one is pretty well-balanced. I think this is one of the most researched diets out there. There is a lot of scientific research for this, especially with heart health and inflammation. Uh, You're really putting emphasis emphasis on whole foods, lots of fish and vegetables and olives and olive oil and lentils and beans. And it was kind of hard to come up with a con of this one because you're not really avoiding any major food groups with the Mediterranean diet. And um, I think it's a style. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. So I couldn't come up with too many cons on that one. Low FODMAP. Um, this is a uh, good diet, very, very helpful for people with SIBO or small intestines, bacterial overgrowth or dysbiosis which is an imbalance of good and bad bacteria. So if you're having a lot of gut issues and everything you've done so far hasn't worked, a low FODMAP diet may be helpful. I do like to use it only short term though, because it also is very restrictive and it's hard to adhere to hundred percent. There are some apps out there and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but it's the Monash app, which is M-O-N-A-S-H that makes it very helpful and easier to adhere to a low FODMAP diet. But that's another kind of medical diet or a therapeutic diet for people with digestive issues. That's not something that you should stay on for the rest of your life because it is very restrictive. So at the end of the day, whether you're looking at doing intermittent fasting, a keto diet, Whole30, Mediterranean, low FODMAP, I can find research to support almost all of those diets, vegan, vegetarian, but is it the right diet for you and how is it impacting 
your hormones, your gut microbiome, your inflammatory markers, your quality of life? Is it triggering orthorexia or this obsession with eating healthy? Are you having fears of, you know, this is a bad food and this is a good food? And it's very stressful and it's very conflicting. But I think at the end of the day, if we follow some of these simple guidelines, I think we could be a lot healthier again as a culture. So one, I really encourage my patients to start to switch their focus from thinking about all the foods they can't eat to starting to think about all the foods they can eat. So if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I can't eat processed food. I can't eat sugar. So I can't have that hamburger bun. I can't have that tortilla, whatever. You start thinking of all the things you can't eat. But if you're sitting there and you're like, I can eat any vegetable I want. I can eat so many different vegetables. I can eat so many different fruits. I can get lots of variety there. I can have nuts and seeds. I can eat proteins like chicken and fish and ground beef. And um, I can have beans and legumes and all of these different kind of simple ingredient foods. When you start thinking about all the things you can eat, there are so many great ways to nourish and fuel your body. And at the end of the day, food is fuel. That is, we have to have food to survive. Food is not a bad thing. Food is really good. Food helps us with energy. It helps with mental clarity. It helps with motivation and hormone balance, and it feeds our gut microbiome, and it keeps our nutrients optimal. And we need optimal nutrients for our thyroid to function, for our brain to work, uh, for us to have enough hemoglobin, which is, um, is in our red blood cells that carry our oxygen throughout the body. We need these nutrients. We need protein to build muscle mass. So we don't want to be cutting out massive food groups. We don't want to be afraid of eating food because it's what makes us healthy. Food is a good thing. Our bodies like a lot of variety and it lots a lot of color. So if we can really start filling up on some of those super nutritious foods, we're going to have less room for all of the junk food and the processed food and the refined sugars. Because I think no matter what diet you are following, we don't want to be eating. No diet is saying that eating loads of sugar and refined food is good for us. And if it is, um, I don't think I can find good research on that one because we want to be avoiding those foods. So we want to really be focusing on the foods that are fueling our body, that are good for us, thinking of all the variety of foods we can eat all the vegetables, all the fruits, all the nuts, the seeds, the proteins, the healthy fats. There is so many foods out there that are nourishing our body, fueling our body, and giving us a lot of good diversity. So I always tell my patients, really aiming for 50% of your plate to be plant-based and nutritious. You want all the different colors of the rainbow. Those are going to be really rich in nutrients. They're going to be high in fiber typically, and they're going to feed the good bacteria in our gut, which has a domino effect with our overall health. So really aim for 50% of that plate to be veggies, fruit, lots of color. 25% of the plate, I really aim to be a good quality protein about the size of your palm. So whether that's chicken or beef or fish, if you have the opportunity to get hormone-free or grass-fed, or maybe you know your local farmer or butcher, um, or you order some fresh salmon that's flash-frozen from companies like Vital Choice, I think that's important, but it's not necessary. Not everybody is able to do that, but we do want to make sure we're getting protein because that's going to keep our blood sugar stable. It's going to help with our lean muscle mass, which is in turn going to help with our body composition and our metabolism. So you want 50% to be 
lots of heavy plant-based foods, 25% to be a good source of protein. And the other 25% varies depending on your goals and what your metabolic state is. Maybe you are very active. Maybe you have good blood sugar control and that 25% is rice. Maybe it's white rice or brown rice or quinoa or sweet potatoes or potatoes. Um, maybe it's that like really good quality carb. Um, or maybe you are somebody metabolically that you don't feel as good on a higher carb diet. And so that other 25%, you really put more emphasis on fat. So maybe you put half an avocado on there, or you make sure you get some nut butter with a meal, or you put some sprouted pumpkin seeds on top of your uh, vegetables, or you get some olives, some whole olives on the side. So that is really where you have some fluctuations based on your hormones, based on your metabolic state, and based on the way you feel. So I know for me, if I eat less carbs during the day and if I eat my carbs with dinner, I have better energy. My body doesn't like a lot of high um, glycemic carbs. So I tend to eat like a really good protein, healthy fat breakfast. I tend to eat a really, really heavy vegetable protein, healthy fat lunch, like a really big salad. And my dinner tends to have some carbohydrates, sweet potatoes, quinoa, rice. And I really think those carbs at night help me get good quality sleep. And I don't feel as good when I go low carb. As I mentioned before, a keto diet was one of the worst things I've ever done. But I think it's really important to... Think about all the foods you can eat, really get 50% of your plate in those veggies, fruits, some good protein, some healthy fats with each meal. Our body feels better when our blood sugar is balanced, like I talked about in the last episode. So you want to have a protein or a fat with each meal, and that can be plant-based. It doesn't have to be animal-based protein, depending on you and your uh, unique goals. But I think it's also important to think about what we're doing during our mealtime. I know so many of my patients um, are rushing around, so they're grabbing protein bars on the go, or they're reaching their hand into a bag of potato chips in the pantry because they're just starved and it's all that they have time to do. So I think it's really important to kind of change what you're doing around food. One, you know, really focusing on food is good. Food is nourishment. Food is fuel. Focus on all the foods you can eat. Focus on getting 50% of that plate plant-based so you get lots of nutrients. And then really focus on what you're doing during mealtime. If you are running around from one thing to another and your cortisol is high and you're trying to eat at the same time, digestion is going to be off because that fight or flight response, that stress response slows down motility. So we want to take a second, sit down, enjoy your food, really chew your food thoroughly. We really should be chewing each bite at least 27 times. And I know I'm guilty of not getting anywhere near that, but it's a great reminder to sit down, really chew your food and enjoy your food, feel good about the food you're eating because you know you're nourishing your body, you're feeding your gut microbiome, you're optimizing your nutrients. Food is good. So sit down, chew, enjoy your meal, try not to mindlessly eat, try not to be in front of the TV, just kind of scarfing down some food and not paying attention to those hunger cues. So really some of these basic guidelines are going to set you up for success. And I really, I encourage my patients know kind of what you're eating and the quality of your food 80% of the time. Our bodies are really designed to detox and process chemicals and additives and things like that. So if you're going out to eat and you're eating something with refined carbs and it's heavily processed, you are meeting a friend for a burger, enjoy that burger, but maybe don't eat that burger seven days a week for dinner. 
enjoy that burger on a Friday or a Saturday. And the other nights of the week, you're doing some good quality grass-fed red meat if you're able to, and lots of veggies and some healthier carbs like sweet potatoes or rice instead of you know a white processed bun with refined carbs. Hopefully that makes sense. This is kind of the quick and dirty on your diet, and your diet impacts your overall health and wellness. And if you feel very confused about what to eat, or if you do feel like you feel better when you intermittent fast, or you feel better on a keto diet, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the wrong diet for you. It could be really great and actually a very therapeutic thing to be doing that could be decreasing your risk factors for other diseases down the road. But I do think with every one of these diets I mentioned, there are some cons, except again for the Mediterranean. Um, I can't think of a con there, but all the other ones, there's cons to every diet too. So if you aren't feeling good with the way you're eating, it's probably not the best diet for you. And um, if you are feeling good, but you're interested to see how it's impacting your numbers, I think it's important to look at your blood work, look at your inflammatory markers, look at your nutrients, and make sure that what you're doing is the right thing for you, not just based on that research study that showed that a keto diet is good for somebody with epilepsy, because that doesn't necessarily mean that it's really good for you while you're in your uh, luteal phase of your menstrual cycle and you're having terrible cramps and you're really struggling and your body feels like it needs some carbohydrates for fuel and energy. So just remember, it's a very individualized approach. We are here for you at Stat Wellness. You can always book an appointment with us at statwellness.com or give our office a call at 404-254-5905. We would love to work with you. We would love to take a very individualized approach when it comes to your diet and nutrition um, because, again, it's not a one-size-fits-all, and you should not be eating the exact same way as your neighbor, your best friend, your child, or your husband because we each have unique needs, and we are here to help you identify those. Shoot me any questions you have at hello at drkristinoja.com. I am always here for you guys, and I just love these podcasts. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.